it's your boys, Roshan Gomez, Jeremy Lim. What's up? And today we have in the house uh, a very, very special guest. We've been uh, looking forward to his uh, presence. He was supposed to come last week. <laughs> he got stranded in a jungle I in did. KKB. <laughs> I did. Uh, KKB, sounds, I think KKB. Is that what you call it? KKB? Kuala Kubo, right? Yeah. Yeah, KKB. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you and, learn something uh, every day. He bribed us with donuts. So all <laughs> is well. <laughs> <laughs> All is forgiven. All is forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed them. We did. We did. We, we did. actually uh, the episode comes out today, but we ate some of it while we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see how the sound would go. <laughs> uh, so um, actually, I don't. I, I know your, your name is Shafiq, but what's your full name? Shafiq bin Muhammad Shah Jahan. Welcome to the house. Thank you so much. Nice <laughs> how do you here. feel on this fine, uh, cold, rainy Sunday? Well, I don't think it's cold by oh. any international standards. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it is great. I feel great. I feel so nice and so happy to be here. Thank you so much yeah. for coming. Let's let's um settle the elephant in the room. What happened last week? <laughs> so I okay, look at me. Just look at me. Uh, oh, hear my voice. You'll understand that I'm not a very physical person. Like okay. I hate sports. I hate trekking. <laughs> Um, and my friend's like, Shav, you know, it's my friend Hannah. She's the other half of Liver and Lung Productions, my theater company. She said, Kalas weekend in KL because she was going back to London. And they were like, okay, come, let's take our trekking. It's only going to be, it's only going to be an hour walk up. <laughs> and then like, you know, an hour walk down and then just an hour drive there. And it ended up being like seven hours of trekking, <laughs> like climbing like 6,000 flights of stairs. I was there like dragging my feet. Yeah. It was horrible. It was horrible. I was like caked in sand. And by the time I, I, I was supposed to come, I was still yeah. in the jungle. <laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't come last week because you would have been filming me. And <laughs> People would have been, wow, the theater company life is rough. <laughs> <laughs> These guys be out here not living at all. <laughs> <laughs> They've been rolled up in mud. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like being dirty, but not yeah. that kind of dirty. I see. I yeah. see. Okay. <laughs> um, but your because we follow you on social media, mm. so we didn't see the suffering you went through. Oh yeah, we saw the the nice photos of you really basking in the well, sun. Isn't that just such a great metaphor for social media? <laughs> Huh? That's so true. You climb for three hours, the photo looks nice. But <laughs> That's the whole point. Why do you think yeah. I did it, <laughs> Jeremy? <laughs> Apparently, I, I was watching a video or reading something. I'm really known for this like um, shady... Uh, <laughs> shady... Um, You're um, a shady ad, queen. Ad, no, shady anecdotes and evidence. Stuff. But I, I remember reading or watching something and they were saying that there was a spike in the cases of depression, anxiety, suicide post the social media boom. Mm. And I feel like that's not too far-fetched. Do you guys think that? Well, so they say loneliness is the leukemia of our generation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting saying. Damn, son. Yeah, it's, I think yeah, it's made us very lonely. For sure. Isn't it ironic that we live in a world that's so connected, yet yeah. we are so much more alone? Well, it depends on how you define connection, right? Yeah. I don't think we're very connected. Well, we're connected in the sense that I can talk to my Anyone. brother in Sabah right now. I could talk to my yeah. cousin. I, I still maintain relationships with my cousins in Australia and UK. But that but that connection, I guess, it, it can be many times superficial. Yeah. Um, uh, even, yeah. I personally hate how what social media has done to language. Right? Mm. So I think... I think <laughs> It's bastardized language. It's 100% bastardized <laughs> language. Uh, I've been reading a lot now. I, I'm a reading queen. <laughs> I've been reading a lot. And I think what I've noticed is how much I miss like prose and just mm. like um, 
taking the time yeah. to describe something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so now I've resorted to writing letters again. So I've sent my friends letters in the UK. I actually have, all, I've been telling a lot of people, a lot of my friends that I feel like the art of writing a letter has been lost. Mm. And that's really a tragedy because uh, penning a letter, it's, it's interesting because you have to write something out and that in itself is a process. Yeah. And then sometimes you have to review and you write it again and, and trying to put uh, your, word, your mind to paper, it, it really reflects uh, a, something about your personality. It, that's why it's so interesting to read like love letters from Napoleon, for example. <laughs> right? It, you know, you get an insight into the mind that you otherwise would not have. And I question, what is future generations going to look at for us? It's going to be TikTok. <laughs> it's going to be Facebook. <laughs> And they're just so this, you know, 200. Well, not really, right? Because that's what you said was so beautiful. Like you're looking inside a mind that, other, that otherwise you wouldn't have. That's the thing about love letters. They were, they were like deeply personal. Yeah. But we don't have that kind of equivalent personal exchange anymore. Mm, right? Message Everything logs is, don't really count. <laughs> no, they don't, right? They don't. Um, yeah. So you're saying that it's not so much the form. It's still the, the relationship. Yeah. I mean, if your relationship is going to be a caption, is that really a relationship? It's not, right? Yeah, man. That's tough. I, I, I'm a sucker for these TikTok videos where they, yeah, where they, they do these compilations of all these like couples and like, you know, cute, awkward stuff. And, you know, like, I, I, I question my own like, oh, Roshan, what's wrong with you? Because <laughs> I watch these videos of like, you know, those girls and guys, they've been friends for like many years and then they try to kiss the other person and sometimes it works. Jeremy doesn't do this at all. So he's like, he doesn't understand. I'm really old school. <laughs> yeah, and so then some of them are cute, some of them don't work out. Then I realized that how much of this is manufactured? Oh, it's hundred percent manufactured. Yeah. How much? You're being a sucker, right? <laughs> how much? Maybe, this? guys. I think maybe we're just too old. Yeah, I think we're just too old. Maybe, maybe. And if you notice, like TikTok, like everyone is good looking. Everyone's yeah, yeah. Thin, everyone's yeah. mostly white. They look. They they always come from a really huge ass house for exactly. some reason with a pool. Yeah. With beautiful animals, but <laughs> that's not life, is it? And what I don't Probably like about not. TikTok is it's very, very influenced by the algorithm of what is promoted to you on your For You page, right? Mm. And what I find is then the algorithm is easily biased because it easily skews towards like men or like privileged people. Mm, mm, that's what I find. Whereas Instagram, I think you still have some level of agency over who you can follow. Mm, 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 yeah. mm. I don't even have the app, so I'm not going to even be able to comment on that. Jeremy, we just got Jeremy to put a profile picture for Facebook, which is oh a massive gosh. accomplishment. <laughs> well done. <laughs> we are trying to get him to do something for Instagram now, uh, but he's being <laughs> extremely stubborn. Uh, but okay, we, we need to make a deal. What, what, what's the number? Let's say, what, 1,000 followers? Will you put a profile uh, picture? Yeah, okay. 1,000 we'll followers on Instagram? Yeah. On our Instagram page? You will put a profile picture for Instagram? Yep, sure. Okay, done. <laughs> okay, great. We've uh, made some headway here. Uh, okay, Shafiq, um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, tap into your experiences because you are pretty interesting. You And maybe it would be helpful to explain how this whole thing came up. So, Jane, let's break the fourth wall. Jane yeah. Ao, as I said last <laughs> week, is our sound girl, producer, overall badass. Uh, we love her to death. And basically, one one day before a podcast, I think we mm. were having lunch and she said, oh, by the way, uh, my weekend nights now, I'm going to be busy. I'm going, you know. I'm Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have priorities now. <laughs> and uh, she said she's going to be playing for a musical. Then we were like, okay. And she said it's called A Little Life, but it's a preview. Then we got confused. 
what a preview? <laughs> what does that mean? And she's like, no, it's a preview for it goes after sip it, sip it. Oh, okay. So then we had to research this whole thing and how it. <laughs> then it's like, oh, it's a one for one kind of. Mm. So Jeremy was excited because he's Chinese and he loves a discount. <laughs> he loves a promo. Okay. <laughs> 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 All Chinese people but me. Every <laughs> stereotype. So we were like, oh, we were like, if Jane is gonna be playing, we're gonna watch this definitely. We want to support her. So we, we got tickets. Um, we were almost late. We were all no no. You were late. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we love Jane. <laughs> oh man! Thanks okay. for holding the plate. Yeah, for we us. were late. <laughs> we totally. Uh, underestimated or mismanaged our time. That's okay. You're Malaysian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so bad of us. But anyway, um, and we went for the show. We watched, so what happened is we watched Sip It first. That was about one hour, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, one hour, 30 minutes. And then there was a preview for mm-hmm. uh, A Little Life, which mm-hmm. is a musical. You're sort of still pro- mm. uh, in the process mm-hmm. of uh, finalizing. Developing. Yeah. Developing. Okay. Um, we liked, we loved uh, both of it. Thank you. Um, for a few reasons. I think mm. one, we were really uh, fascinated by the setup. Mm. It's uh, small, mm. intimate, and it's almost like you do it on a runway. Mm. Like uh, a, a, a walkway, mm-hmm. which was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that a conscious decision or is it… Um, was it MCO influenced to yeah. some extent? Do you like the setup in particular or… Yeah. So at Liver and Lung, we've always been doing immersive musicals. That's yeah. kind of been our DNA for a really long time. And that's actually a product of two things. The first is basically, I love immersive experiences. I really think that there is a gap in the market, not only in Malaysia, but globally of musicals that are small and incisive and really kind of like grab at your heartstrings. Um, with small spaces, I really can touch you in, in mm. physically and emotionally. And I really can kind of like move you. Whereas I think the hollowness of bigger spaces can a little be a little bit daunting. Um, I think also with smaller spaces, it makes the piece more accessible. I think mm. sometimes theatre has this kind of uh, elitist... Uh, what's the word? It's distant, you think? Yeah, no, this elitist kind of like association with it. It's expensive. The tickets are expensive. So <laughs> you go into the space and there's a huge gap, a physical gap between you and the audience and the actor and then you're, you're told to leave after the show. But if you kind of go back to kind of like ancient history, how the Greeks did theatre... The wow. amphitheater. Yeah, they were they were festivals. They were yeah. hugely um, interactive, and, and they were also very audience driven. Mm. So I I've always liked doing that, right? Mm. And the se- the second the second thing is it's a better business model, right? Mm. It's a better business model because when I pay forty percent of my ticket sales to big venues, I I, I make a loss. So mm. this is a way for for me to. It's like when uh, Phantom of the Opera uh, came down. You had to wear it was like suit and tie or something like that mm-hmm. for you to get in and like it's privileged. Yeah, yeah, it's really really funny. Why <laughs> why do I need to wear a suit and tie? Yeah. That's you, odd. Yeah, but uh, I mean, you guys also had um, a, a sort of a, it, a team. Mm-hmm. That, but that was fun though. So you ask people to dress mm. again. I guess back to that immersive sort mm-hmm. of experience. You want people to not only watch it but be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's quite beautiful as well. Yeah, the purpose is I think we're trying to take you to a world. Yeah, um, mm. let you escape a little bit. But I have to admit, though, I'm a little bit more anxious uh, <laughs> about audience participation. Yeah. <laughs> so because we went late, my spot was next to the what do you call it? The cello? Yes. Mm-hmm. The the cello. What do you call it? A celloist? 
a chalice. <laughs> so I was sitting next to chalice and she was like, oh, you don't sit too close to me or I might poke you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man. <laughs> I'm freaking out here. <laughs> and then the moment they started doing crowd... Uh, audience uh, interaction. Audience in- interaction. I was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I guess in, Mal- in Malaysia, we're not just not used to it. Yeah, like avoiding eye contact. So, yeah, so tell me. So, I mean, and, and to be honest, Sepet is one of those shows where there's actually less interaction than <laughs> we, uh, we We did a cabaret in the Soho Theatre in London called Clinic, where literally I am lap dancing over everyone. Oh, man, I would have freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. But, um, what what's the, what what makes you scared about the interaction? I don't know. I think it's just a personality thing. Maybe one, I didn't know it was going to be like mm. that. Um, and two, I, I guess just my personality. I just get. I I, <laughs> I guess I need some time to just like, okay, this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a very really specific reason as to why we use interaction in the musical. Yeah. Essentially, because if you think about Step It as a film, and I'm sure everyone's here. Everyone here has watched the film. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah good. It. Uh, it's a huge cast with really important supporting characters, right? Yeah. So there's the parents of both the ki- of both the main characters. Now, the, our choice to only do it with two people was yeah. a, was a contentious one, right? Because yeah. you, you know Haritha Skanda was in the film, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've gotten oh, rid of girl, his character, the girl's father, yeah, or kids, or kids' father. So we knew that we had to use the audience to replace the that kind of energy. Mm. So it was the audience that became the father, and the audience that became the Mm-mm-mm. best friend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think maybe also the discomfort also is part of the experience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is also part of the experience. That's one way to think about when it. When I went for the preview though, I was very careful about the place I chose. <laughs> <laughs> that was had, that had less audience participation. <laughs> yeah, that did have less. Imagine uh, if that did though. <laughs> mm, that, hold, that's, that's a dark one though. I hold a knife maybe? Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, sip it. Mm. Um it came out when we were in high school. Mm. Um, I remember it being very controversial and mm. that's why it became so famous. Yeah. Uh, it's still a relevant movie today, mm. a relevant story today. Mm. I wonder why it was so controversial. When I watch it back again, I still don't understand why it's so controversial because um, it's not like they decided, I mean, is it okay if we do some spoilers here? I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, sure you, be, everyone you, knows the story. Yeah. People who who would have watched it already watched it. People who yeah, not, it's fine. might after this actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched it by now, you're probably not going to unless we sort of like <laughs> cajole yeah. you into it. Um, in the end, he decides to become Muslim. Yeah, right. He he decides to yeah, to, to, to give it up uh, and to, yeah. to to marry her here in, yeah. in Malaysia. It's not like he says we're going to run off to Australia and get hitched. He's not saying that. So I don't understand why that there there is no like controversial um re, like what was the controversy I don't understand so I, I think I think the thing about Sepet is that it's actually not a race film it's not a, it's not a political film yeah. it's actually it's just a rom, rom, beautiful romance of about puppy love yeah um so, it's just kind of veiled and and why people why people thought it was controversial was it was mainly superficial reasons, right? It's just a, it's just a Malay girl with a Chinese, Chinese guy. And if you think about the moments that were censored from the original film, uh, there are like moments where she lifts up her bajukuro. Uh. Um, there's a scene where he talks about, he kind of disputes Hang Tuas kind of like original, ra- uh, original ethnicity. Um, but for me, those things are very small. They're not yeah. like part of the plot at all. And if you think about r- the real reason why in the film, Jason and Orchid uh, find it so hard 
to 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 be together. It's not really because of the race. It's because of their different economic backgrounds. No, yeah. So we were talking with uh, Bernard uh, Bernard Ao uh, week before last. Yeah. He is basically he was a school teacher in Johor, and then now he's working in an NGO that uh, trains um, um, school leaders, school leaders management. Mm. And so we were talking about the show. I mean, we we're talking about your musical. And I was saying that when I watched it and I kind of reflected after that, I, I was thinking about it because I was trying to think, why is it so controversial? And in that process, I kind of re- realized it's not even a movie about race. It's not. It starts off with them dating. When they start dating, it's like, okay, um, the friends have comments, the parents have comments. But the midway past that movie, well, did we talk to this about Bernard? Mm, I'm not sure now. Bernard, uh, Bernard. Yeah, anyway. So <laughs> one I think about, it's him. <laughs> so, but midway... Onwards, um, it's not about race anymore. It's about a boy who has baggages, right? Yeah. He gets a girl pregnant. He's in, yeah. you know, his past and everything. And it's about a girl being pulled to a future. Yeah, you know, she has to go abroad and study. And it's these two people who are being pulled in two different directions. You can argue that some of the reasons why they're being pulled in different directions are because of their race. Sure. So for example, he did better in his SPMs, but she got the scholarship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those kind of things. Yeah, but I don't think that's what. But the relationship dynamic is not racial. No. Yeah, the f- circumstances pulling them apart, you're right. It might be racial. But the relationship itself, it's a story about a person who life has taken yeah. her one way, life has taken him another way. And I really like that story because it's a very, I think, accurate representation of a true racial relationship. Yeah, It's not about the race. In the end of the day, when two uh, people of two different races or cultures come together, um, culture and race is important and it could be a factor. But a lot of times, um, it's the dynamic, right? It's like in any other relationship, we're not communicating well enough. You know, life is not at a place where we can yeah. commit and things like that. So it's a love story. It's a love story. It's a love story. Why did you choose Sepet? What 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 drew you to Sepet? How did that whole thing come up? So it was 10 years since Yasmin Ahmad passed away last year. Yeah. Um, God bless her soul. She rests in peace. <laughs> She's an incredible person. Yeah. And... So the Prasatu and Yasmin Ahmad and, and her friends and family, we were in conversations to try to do a tribute to her. Mm. And we had done a few musicals that were pretty that went pretty well in the year. And then I, I was looking through her portfolio and I had a few ideas. I was like, oh, maybe I should do a tribute to her Petronas ads. Mm. Or maybe I should do something else. But then everything kept on coming back to Sepet. And I watched the film maybe like three or four times and I really prayed hard and I really kind of channeled her spirit. And she, she told me, yeah, she told me do it. Mm. And so I did it. And I wrote the first act and I cast Joshua and Badrika and then I previewed it in front of the press and it went bomb. Like it was amazing. It was mm. it was the most incredible experience in my life. And and then then we produced it as a as a full show. Mm. I think why, to be honest, I think at Liver and Lung, we've always been, and you'll see this with a little life as well, interested in telling stories that champion unheard voices, mm-hmm. that explore the idea of what it means to be a human, like explores the human condition, uh, promotes human empathy. And I think Sepet like takes all of those boxes. So actually mm-hmm. it didn't really seem like much of a departure from the work that we've done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before the podcast uh, started, we were talking a bit about your own personal background. Yeah. And basically you're Indian Muslim. Yeah. Right. And um, you Emma. have a lot of different experiences. Yeah. You are... Uh, cross-cultural nexus yeah. <laughs> in a way, right? You're, you're exposed to the creative community, yeah. the liberal yeah. community. Yeah. You're also exposed exposed to the conservative community. Yeah. And um, I'm sure you see, I'm sure you see value 
in yeah. everybody. Yeah. Right. How much do these experiences with these different groups mm. do they inform the your the way you did sepet? Ooh, that's a really <laughs> good question. Um, yeah, I think my my I think the reason why I'm so optimistic about life, and I think I'm very happy go lucky, and I always see the good and the opportunity in what life presents me mm. is because of that reason, right? Mm. My 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 life has constantly been a balancing act, I would say, between two value systems, two countries, two places, two people. Um, and because of that, I've, I've been really good at flexing and, and mm. seeing the good in everything, right? Because if I chose to be angry and, and, and be spiteful, <laughs> uh, my, my, my world and my life would just get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we were talking, I mean, I was sharing with you, uh, and I don't mean to generalize, but this is just my own experiences. Mm. I've met, because you champion the marginalized, mm. and I do too, I think, to a certain mm. extent. But when I see people who really, really mm. advocate for the mar- yeah. marginalized, there is a community that are extremely loud and vocal. Yeah. And they too are marginalized, but they come off as being sometimes very bitter, yeah. um, angry. And I understand, um, but it just seems... I, I get it, but it, at the same time, it just seems like um, counterproductive. Yeah. And I was talking to you because... I was asking you, where do you get your positivity? Because you are also someone who's very liberal. Yeah. You also advocate for the marginalized. Yeah. Um, you are also someone yeah. who is marginalized, yeah. right? But you, at the same time, you seem to hold on to that positivity. Yeah. And I was asking you, so I don't think, I, don't think, I don't think counterproductive is the right word, okay. right? Because I think there's always and will always be space for people like AOCs, sure. you know, the trailblazers who go out there and are really angry and are really fighting. We need those people because mm. they're the ones that are pushing us forward, right? Mm. Um, but I think with them, there also has to be a good support of allies and a good support of people who are like me, who kind of like take the ideas and translate them into language and, and ideas that um, the mass will, will listen to. Yeah. Right? Um, there needs to be a level of translation, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, I mean, I was that kind of person. I think when I was 21, I wrote a musical, a play called Submission, which was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. They got a shortlisted for an Amnesty International Freedom of Expression Award. Mm. It was basically about a liberal guy's um, experience with being Muslim. And, you know, I was very angry when I wrote it. And it, and it came across like that. And, and because it was so angry and because it was such a political play, I really wasn't doing anything because the people who were watching it, who loved it, were the people who already knew. knew it. it was like preaching to the choir. Yeah. And the people who I wanted to convert, yeah. well, they were just turned off. Yeah. And so, so as a, that was a really big kind of learning moment for me in my career because then from now on, what I've tried to do is I've tried to, whenever I talk about political issues or whenever I ch- champion the marginalized, I do it in a celebratory way that's optimistic and paints a picture of how things should be, um, I, th- I think. Jeremy, do you think we should view the world as battles to be won? Or do you think this whole... Do you think it's too hippie to say we need to look as pe- at people as human beings? Even the Donald Trump supporters, for example. <laughs> it's interesting to think... Uh, I don't know. Okay, I don't think you know Jeremy's background. But Jer- Jeremy. Jeremy is uh, sort of... He, he does research. Mm. He's a kind of mission. He's a full-on... Uh, socialist. Mm. So he. Oh, he, I see. He, he, one of those. He's one of those. <laughs> I have no so problem with that. D- d- disgusting. <laughs> Marx. <laughs> don't I'll, don't I'll say be... Marx in front of him. He gets really excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mischaracterization. <laughs> we kid, we kid, we kid. We love okay, Jeremy. Got it. Yeah, but, uh, but Jeremy uh, is very concerned about oppression. 
and dismantling mm. uh, systems of oppression. Mm. I don't agree with him uh, on a lot of things, mm. but I can understand where he's coming from. What do you think? You should. Which is the better worldview? Or I don't know whether that's the right question. Or do you think that you know there's some sort of reconciling? I mean, I do. I do appreciate. I mean, give, you giving that kind of thought to you know the masses, sort of understanding it, um, and that that can work on that can work on very individual level. You know, people can be uh, personally touched by your work and then come over, quote unquote, to the other side. <laughs> but that that is a very slow process mm. in building that culture. Mm. So we could go down that route. But, but it's a more sustainable process, right? Mm. And, and what you said, like conversion, getting over, that's what you need to do, right? Mm. Correct. That's the key. Because it, it, if not, it just festers. But sorry, you were going to say, you're going to finish this. Instead. Yeah, I, I do think the systems are resistant to that kind kind of conversion. Mm. People may people may be able to be brought over to your side, but systems systems have a, a mind of their own and 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 sort of so you believe you need some sort of authoritarian power to kind of like <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying, you need some sort of like action. Like. You, you need action, maybe not authoritarian. <laughs> Try to get it to be a little democratic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so on the political <laughs> compass, I presume you're left, and then you're you're top. Uh, I'm more I'm more liberal. Well, okay, don't want to use the libertarian socialist, but I'm more anarchist in that sense. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> on that spectrum. You know, yeah, it's a, a lot of I think younger, uh, more ed- more I wouldn't say more educated because a lot of people are educated, but a lot of educated younger people are coming to me and and telling me that okay. they yeah they they believe in um yeah. Dictatorship. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's yeah. do it. But Jeremy doesn't believe. <laughs> Wait. They believe in dictatorship. Yeah. Like I said, all authoritarian regimes. Damn. Because because of exactly what you're saying. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. In that sense, because but that's what you're saying, right? You're saying you need you need some level of destructuring or destabilizing. Uh I do think the system because needs to me be. Me and my stupid soft theater making <laughs> songs and dances won't do anything. <laughs> We're here out trying to change the world. These guys be dancing and singing on stage. <laughs> you don't realize it's our songs and dances that actually get into the mind and the of psyches course, of people. Though. I mean, I wouldn't disagree about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I do think the political arena does take a different kind of mobilization. I'm yeah. on the other ex- uh, extreme where I'm actually conservative. Yeah. You know, I'm conservative. Uh, well, ah, you. D- disgusting. <laughs> conservative. Yeah, I like, yuck. I would, say, I would say I'm a capitalist. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I like to describe myself as just actually more pro-freedom. You know, I don't, I'm very skeptical of um, big, big government. Big government. <laughs> skeptical of people saying that they can organize things and do it better and skeptical of people who think that they can come in and become heroes. I think I think all Malaysians <laughs> uh, and minority communities probably feel like that. Yeah, we are very distrustful. Uh, definitely, definitely. And we have reason to be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so sure. when I went to the UK to study, I went with a very conservative mindset. I signed mm. up for the conservative party. <laughs> <laughs> and then my friend's like, what the hell, Sha? <laughs> and then they made me like a bit more hippie. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so... Moving on though, so mm. we are following this chronology from Sepet. Mm. We went to A Little Life, which was in tone extremely different. Yes. Extremely different. So we went kind of, you know, feeling all like, ah, oh, this is sad. Mm. Gushy. Then to like, oh dear. Mm. <laughs> oh man, this is in- intense. <laughs> but it was good. Uh, like one of the guys that followed us, uh, Jordan, um, he didn't come in today, but he comes for recordings once in a while. And, um, 
he bought the book after. Did he? That's yeah. good. He bought That's the book good. after that and he read it in like a week and he said he really punched him in the heart. I don't feel like being punched in the heart. So I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did he enjoy the book? He enjoyed it. Yeah. He really, really enjoyed good. it. Um, what I liked, um, I mean, I, I it was very interesting. It was mm. very engaging. But I liked one of your lines in particular, mm. one of your songs. Who wrote the songs? Was it between you so and me I? and Badresh, yeah. Oh, you and? And, and Badresh. Just this guy. Badresh. Oh. The 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 younger the younger one the yes. younger one so we we compose music together. Uh there's that line. Um, fire a flame on my mm. my fire a flame on my skin. Uh, tells me where I've mm. been. Mm. That's a beautiful line. Mm, that's Badrish's line. It's <laughs> a beautiful line, and um, it, it it's a beautiful line because I know people who self harm. Mm. Right, I've known people who self harm. Yeah, uh, because through church. Uh, we do a lot of work with young people, yeah, and especially young girls. Yeah, you know they tend to self harm. Yeah, and it was a weird, weird ph- phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like I, it felt almost like guys would hurt, grow up and hurt others, and it seems girls mm. would hurt themselves. Beautiful. Yeah, but it was a still the same inner manifestation of something. Mm. Maybe it was like what you said, loneliness. Mm. You know, I don't know what it is. But so I, when I heard that line, uh, it, it really did touch me mm. because I felt like, you know, it almost felt like all those people that I met, they were like, you know, in a weird way singing that line to me, trying to tell me Beautiful. that. Beautiful. You know, so um, w- w- how were you introduced to this book? <laughs> this is something we spoke about before the podcast. Yeah, actually. so I got it a few years ago mm-hmm. and I read it. Uh, and it, I fell in love with it. So mm. the author's name is Hania Yanikahara, and she's written two books in her lifetime, and this is her second. Mm-hmm. And it's a 700-page novel, and it's got kind of a... Yes, <laughs> yes. It's got a kind of a little bit of a cult following uh, amongst a lot of minority communities in New York and in London. And so at Liver and Lung, we were always doing kind of localized musicals, but we like Sepet, which obviously we need to do them. That's like our responsibility. But we also wanted to have a bigger global vision. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to create a product that was scalable internationally. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew when we read this book that there was something special about it. Um, Just because it tells a story of of a boy named Jude and how he experiences life. And he's this brilliant, enigmatic person who's a little bit shy. And he's got a whole um, group of friends in New York. But Jude has... The one is the one with this with kind of a difficult past, and throughout the book we learn what that past is and how. And I guess when I read it, it, it why why it was so emotional because it made me realize that fuck, can I swear? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Fucking hell, like we all have um mm-hmm. lots of trauma, right? And mm-hmm. we all live with lots of trauma. Some of it conscious and some of it unconscious. Yeah. Uh, and what Jude was doing was he was carrying all his conscious and unconscious trauma with him, and it was affecting his 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 work and and and. and his life and and the thing is he's a hugely successful person like you like me like he's a he's a lawyer hey, hey. he's a lawyer and he he became hey. he comes well, he comes like the managing partner of the firm but still his life is so unfulfilled and it just mm. shows you that if you don't kind of check yourself and and do some kind of cleaning about your past um, you won't reach ultimate happiness yeah. yeah a lot of us sort of live life like we are plants right we just follow you know like how plants wherever the sunlight is they just follow it yeah and sometimes you go in. Uh, uh, in it works out fine. Yeah. But sometimes that stimuli takes you to a weird ass part. Yeah. You see it a lot. You know, you see sometimes girls telling, I don't know why I keep falling for the same guy. Yeah. Mm. Or, you know, I don't know why I keep on ending up with the exact same, yeah. you know, result. 
over and over again. And they say like, so confidently, like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm, I'm, I don't want this, but I keep coming to the same conclusion. Mm. I keep dating guys who cheat. Mm. And I don't know why. Mm. And a lot of times what I found is it could be unresolved uh, past uh, hurts or even things like we think we date people that we like. And that's not actually true. It's more <laughs> like we date people who are familiar. Mm. We date people who actually remind sure. us of our parents. Or they date, we date people who remind us of our past hurts. Because it's familiar, right? To summarize, we all have daddy issues. Mommy issues sometimes. Gender neutral. Yeah. Parental Parental issues. Parental issues. Yeah. Yeah. We were very worried when we were doing this musical. Why? Um, hmm. Essentially because... Well, because of what you said, right? Sepet was a huge hit last year. It was, we sold out in maybe like five days. Mm. We made national newspapers. We, we, the, the, the business was, was good as well. Yeah, maybe I can just say, as of now, you actually had to um, open up more shows yes. because it was sold out. Yeah. Even when we were trying to book, we realized very quickly that we, yeah. we, we had to book in advance, yeah. you know, because... Um, the shows were sold out. So congratulations. Thank you. Know, you. Well yeah. done. Everyone says you can't make money in theater in the MCO and mm. like we proved otherwise. I, I, I did the calculations. <laughs> <laughs> per ticket, per room, how many shows are they doing a weekend? <laughs> Damn. Okay, let's minus Jane's salary. <laughs> That's still a pretty good uh, good gig, right? But yeah. of course, you have to reinvest it for the future, for future shows. Well, yeah. So for, yeah, I mean, we're going on a tangent here, but I have to record the, so- the soundtrack and each song costs like 2,000 ringgit. Damn. So, you know, it's like, it's not easy. Mm. But it's an investment. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we talking about? So yeah, we were very worried when we were developing a little life, essentially because we didn't think the kind of very beautiful Malaysian kind of like adult <laughs> machi machi pachi kind of like audience members from Sepet would be able to understand it, right? There's a level of conversion, and it's quite a big leap, right? Going from Sepet to to a show that talks about self harm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another big thing about the show, is, the book, is that it's very queer. It's it's mm. it's, it's, it's a queer it's a queer novel, mm. and and. Unfortunately for us, we, we, we couldn't really, Jane, hi Jane, we couldn't really talk about the queer things in, in, in the musical because uh, we kind of didn't want to alienate our audiences that much at this stage. Um, but what's queer about the book is what's happy about the book. And, and so we, we were left to only really talk about the mental health parts of, mm. of the musical, mm. which made the musical very dark. Mm. It's a very, <laughs> very dark musical. And, but, but I can't, and, and a lot, that's what a lot of the feedback was, oh, it's really dark. But it's a really, really dark book as well. Mm. Mm. Um, and we just weren't, re- we weren't sure that Malaysian audiences were ready. Mm. We didn't think they would be ready. Mm. But I think there was something about it being priced at quite a, it was 110 ringgit of a ticket. Um, I think it was bringing in a kind of like a more affluent audience space, unfortunately. And I think they kind of understood it a little bit better. And I was very surprised with the response. It was actually quite positive. Mm. But we were, we were not sure how it would land. I think that's the thing, right? You might not uh, agree on things like queer, uh, queer culture. You might, be, um, you, you might not think that homosexuality is right or whatever, right? Because we come from a pretty conservative mm. culture. But at the very least, we should... Be empathetic, you think? Yeah, we, we should be able to hear other people's uh, experiences. Mm. Because whatever it is, right, there is a group of people who go through these experiences. And how are you going to dialogue if you don't understand what they're going through? Mm. And yeah. musicals like this, they kind of depict in a very beautiful way, in a very human way. We all understand whoever you are, whatever culture you're from, whatever race you are, everyone understands pain. Yeah, Everyone understands fear of death. Mm-hmm. 
everyone understands fear of rejection. Yeah. And underlying these things, right? Underlying homosexuality, for example, mm. is the need to be loved. Yeah. The fear of rejection, which we all experience. So we can understand that part. Sure. You know, and maybe that's the bridge, the link we need. And I think, I mean, that's why it being a musical really helps, right? Because mm. music, everyone, as you say, everyone knows the feeling of what it means to be loved. But everyone also knows what a love song sounds like. And yeah. everyone also knows mm. what a what a what a sad song sounds like. And 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 that kind of like just makes and we knew the show was gonna be dark, but we knew the music was kind of gonna I think co like co- console our audiences a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Um, uh, and that that was the role of role of music. The I music mean. like holds your hand through the whole thing. <laughs> and obviously we had a fabulous pianist. Fabulous. <laughs> we we had a plan. We were planning like we we're gonna at the end of it just like stand up and say encore, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we realized as oh no, this is uh, too serious. <laughs> Anything stupid? If it was a comedy, maybe we try it. <laughs> You should have. You should have. <laughs> no, like very seriously, um, yeah. I think instruments and, and music plays a really good... That's why musical theatre is so difficult, right? Because musical theatre requires... Your writing has to be excellent. Your, your, your choreography has to be excellent. Your directing has to be excellent. Your musicians have to be excellent. Your designer has to be excellent. It's a really collaborative art form. And for me, whenever I do my shows, I, it's really important that my instrumentalists actually play parts and uh, it contribute to the energy of the piece. Jane very much was a character, like her, her, piano, her piano playing was, was a character. We felt her as she played the keys. It's really, really important So, so the when, story. When I was watching A Little Life, this is going to come off a bit creepy. <laughs> but while I was watching A Little Life, I would look at you oh. to see how you were looking at them. Because I would think that because you had watched it so many times, mm. I was curious to see how you would be reacting. Mm. But you were watching, uh, I think this dude, what's his name Badrish. again? But she was watching Buddy sing, and you were mouthing the words while he was, was oh, singing. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> but you were so into it. Yeah. You were so into it, and you were like smiling and doing it, right? <laughs> so I was like, "Wow, you you really feel feel oh, it. Yeah. This is, it, it's so obvious that this is your baby, lah. Yeah, right. That you really feel a sense of ownership on this. Yeah." Yeah, if I if I didn't, I, I shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> That's you know? true, man. Also, if, true. I, if I if I didn't feel like way, I, I I just wouldn't do it because it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we're gonna talk about that shortly as well. Um, but before that, mm. I was like, was there a temptation to sort of change the setting to make it more relatable? Because like you you had you had worries about you know. Malaysian audiences not getting it. Was there like a temptation to be like, maybe we'll change it to some dude in KL, like that kind of thing? Yeah, um, very, very good question. Uh, and I think maybe if you asked me the question a year ago, I would have done that, right? Mm. Uh, when I was developing theater for Malaysia. But I think um, we have big global ambitions for, mm. for, for Liver and Lung. And if we keep making decisions for the market that we're in, instead of creating a product that is scalable and, 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 re- and relevant to, to a wider mass of people, mm. then I don't think we're doing our job that well. Right. And there is like, you know, the thing is about going to the theater, because theater is such a new thing in Malaysia. Well, it's not new. Well, of course it's not new. But, but it's, it's, it's still very like unsaturated. It's, it's still, infant to some yeah, extent. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's growing. There is a level and an agency for us as theater makers to upskill our audiences, right? And, bring, mm. and, and give them new experiences that they haven't. And that may be an uncomfortable experience for some people. To challenge your audience to some extent. But if we didn't do that, then the... Well, if actually if any artist doesn't do that, then they're, then they're not really moving the needle forward. I think the cool thing is um, you you seem to be doing both. Uh, with Sepet, you seem to be giving something. You're doing something simple, mm. but you're doing it well. Mm. You're doing a not to say a simple story, but a more consumer-based yeah. sort of story. Yeah. 
and you're you're doing it well and you're selling that mm-hmm. but you're also pushing the envelope a little bit with mm-hmm. a little life mm-hmm. so it's a good balance i mean we were talking uh, to Kyle uh, Kyle Gunting uh, he's my cousin he came on he did uh, police evil <laughs> police oh, evil yes. he co-wrote, he co-wrote police evil <laughs> and so he was saying about how there's a boom in cinema now in fact is uh, there well, when I say now, like maybe the past <laughs> That's few not what the producers are telling me. <laughs> <laughs> past few years compared to when we were I growing up. I understand. So, you know, now you have like, for example, um, Ola Bola. Yeah. You know, you have movies of that actually make money yeah. compared to when we, when we were growing up. The most famous movie for us growing up was Sepit. Mm-hmm. And Sepit wasn't uh, uh, a big, uh, a big, a big no, a, a hugely produced. Uh, yeah. It wasn't like five yeah. million it ringgit was, in, was, was put into Sepit. Yeah. No, of course not. But we have movies like that being produced now. So, but he was saying that with, for example, Police Evil, their objective was never to do something that broke the mold. It was always to just do something simple yeah. and do it right. Because that in itself is a novelty in Malaysia right now, unfortunately. But you seem to be doing both. You're doing test and try it, stories yeah. like Sepet, doing it well, yeah. staying true to the messaging. Yeah. But at the same time, you're pushing the envelope a little bit yeah. with a little life, which is Thank very you. cool. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so... Your ambitions is to go to Broadway. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to win a Tony and I'll thank you in my speech. We're oh. <laughs> <laughs> going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that. If this doesn't happen, we're going to do like a YouTube video. We're going to call you out. <laughs> He's not going to respond. <laughs> you can speak to my Asian. <laughs> um, yeah. So what's the process with A Little Life now? You, what we saw was a preview. So what's going on now? So I think because it's it's we need, we have so basically we need the rights right so okay. we need Hania mm. and Nigahara to to engage with us and we need to talk to her. So, okay, so this is where the audience, uh, all of you, can help out. Um, you can um, well, what you've been asking is people to have this. I have it in my hands now. <laughs> you want to watch the YouTube video? Um, it's a, a what do you call it? A pamphlet. Uh, pamphlet. Yeah. yeah. And so you're asking people to like put it mm-hmm. to their faces and then to tag yeah. her Hania yeah. Hania. Yeah, and what we will do is we're also recording the soundtrack for the mm-hmm. thing and putting it on Spotify and then we're going to try to release that soundtrack and do some music PR globally um, so the fans of the book can listen. And I think mm-hmm. the more fans listen, the more it will get her attention. She definitely knows that we're, we're around. Like she definitely has liked a few of our posts. Mm. Uh, we just need to kind of like go forward. And then also from a creative perspective, we're going to be writing new scenes. And, and I think at the moment, the, the material is a little bit too heavy. I want to maybe do another version where um, it, there's more love scenes and a little bit lighter. I think mm-hmm. we need to see how that sounds as well. Because life is not all pain. No, you know, no, for sure. It's <laughs> yeah. it's definitely not. Um, it's definitely not. There's what, what I love about the book is that there are great moments of light as as well as dark. So if you are listening to this, you can um, you know tag um, Liver and Lung. Uh, you can tag the author and you know help them out a little bit. Hi. So we have an interesting question. When we first and this we don't mean this as uh, insult whatsoever, no, not at fine. all. When Jane said liver and lung, we thought it was the Cancer Association. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guys, no, con- no context. Guys, no context. <laughs> you have no idea how much of work I've had to do to remove the SEO for liver and lung cancer. <laughs> do you know how hard that was? But now, now when you type liver and lung, the first thing is production. Oh. In YouTube and in Google. So. Why liver and lung? Why? <laughs> so when I was, I think I, I founded the company when I was nineteen. Okay, right, and and I was, hey, not nineteen. Oh my god. No, okay, maybe was, take us take us through this. You studied in the UK. What did you study? Like any good Asian boy, I yes. studied economics. Fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Um, 
hated it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I did such a good, I had, I topped the country for A level economics in Malaysia. Okay. And then went to university and hated it. Oh. And I think, I don't know whether any of you are familiar with economics, but yeah, what, I, did, I did for A level. Yeah. So in A levels, the, the subject is really discursive, it's really like essay based. In university, it was so mathematical. And oh. I, I, I'm Asian, like I'm really good at maths. Okay? <laughs> I did further maths, you know, I love it. Nice. Um, but I just, that's not why I st- when, when to, wanted to study it, you yeah. know. Mm. So I really kind of struggled doing economics in, in, in university. But so I spent all my time in the theater. And mm. that's where I met Hannah, who is my business partner and my best friend. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, because I'm an Aksiara scholar, so mm. I had to, I was bonded for five years. <laughs> mm, gonna say that with a smile on their face. <laughs> They're a great company. We love Axiata. It's the best uh, company out there. Advancing uh, Asia. Advance, advancing Asia. You want to sponsor the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Please let us know. <laughs> what do you have there? Axiata Young Leadership, Dude, right? They won't even yeah. sponsor my company and I'm freaking <laughs> an employee. <laughs> Axiata, you suck. No, 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 no. We love you. We love no, you. No, no, no. <laughs> you're great. You're great. <laughs> yeah, I, I see your Young Leadership. I'm gonna program. get my notice letter tomorrow. <laughs> You're a scholar. I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> no, my bond is over. Oh, so I, yeah, okay. my bond is over. So I came back and uh, I, I worked and I was very depressed because I, I went, I was completely uprooted. I, I went from being in London to being in KL. I went from having loads of friends to almost no friends. I was in a relationship and then now I was, I was single. Mm. And then I was living with my family. And then I think I was also working and I think the transition between university to work is tough. Um, so it was all of that and I was really sad and I wasn't doing any theater and then I sat in my bed and I was like, I feel a lot of pain. I feel a lot of pain in like my, my lungs because I was very breathless and I felt a lot of pain in my stomach, which is where my liver is. And if you think about liver or the hati, mm. in Victorian times, the liver was actually the seat of the emotion. So you wouldn't say my heart is breaking, you would say my liver is breaking in Shakespearean right. English. So we just wanted to choose two organs that were visceral and really kind of like put emotions at the forefront and could make you cry or laugh or, or scared or yeah that's the kind of theater we want to make wow that's a beautiful origin yeah. story yeah. did not expect that <laughs> <laughs> or if you're a cancer patient you'd love our show as well is that description on a website or something <laughs> no, no. you know how many people have asked us every interview I was like and Hannah has just decided oh you just like the alliteration <laughs> and someone goes so why is it not lung and liver <laughs> <laughs> that one you can throw something at them like <laughs> that's so true though <laughs> but it's really funny because you know at first like, everyone goes oh, what the hell is this company Who is this but slowly as we started making a name and started winning awards now everyone's like okay let's live and laugh it's fine <laughs> um, how, how I mean Hannah was supposed to come on yes. last week uh, she, she's gone back to the UK mm. uh, we, if through your social media we know that you had a massive uh, heartbreak uh, sending her off it was cute. Not only you, you know, your mom and your sister seemed so sad. And you were telling us basically she stayed with you through the whole MCO. Yes. So now we kind of understand why you'll be so attached. Yeah. I mean, not only you, but your whole family yeah. is attached to her. You know, my whole life, I've been trying to balance between two worlds. We're just talking about this. Two different value systems, two different um, countries, two different people. And I've always thought that was the strength of mine, having to constantly readjust. And in, as the tech world says, be agile. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I've always thought that was that was something that I was really good at, like you know, constantly th- thinking about what's next and moving. But I think, I think after like seven years of doing that and like moving all the time, I feel this constant sense of like just 
exhaustion. Like it's yeah. tiring. It's really tiring. And it's moments like that in airports or in like in, in a car ride when I was like alone and listening to all by myself, <laughs> crying. Um, <laughs> oh, oh damn! The window is down. The tears are flying. <laughs> I still look beautiful. Okay? I'm not an ugly cry. Uh, it makes you just remind, reminds you that actually no, maybe it would be nicer just to just settle in one place. Yeah, I love Hannah. She's like my best friend. I, you know, one of those people that just knows everything about you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Your soulmate. My soulmate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, all my extended family have the wrong idea about what a relationship is. <laughs> yeah. and sometimes it's actually better to just leave it, like, leave it like that. They are like, yeah, white girl. <laughs> white no, no, no. Of course, it's like. Neither. <laughs> white girl, why are you dating this guy? And then Soli goes, Oh, thank God Shav is dating a white girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny though. Okay, okay, that's very cool. So how does because you both are directors? Mm, no, no, she's a choreographer. She's a choreographer. And a writer. Yeah. So and a writer. Writes, yeah. But you both found it uh, mm. Live and Lang together. Yeah. So she being in a different country, how does that work? How what's the dynamic? Um, it's good. So it's just, it just means that we take each other's, um, we listen to each other a okay. lot. So if we feel that um, something from England is working, we'll put adopt it into the Malaysian theatre making process and the other way as well. Mm. Um, and so we've done shows equally in both cities. So sometimes you go over. Yeah, but okay. I, 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 I worked there for three years for EY. Oh, I took okay. a break from my bond. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. What were you doing in EY? I was strategy consulting. So I was working oh. for like, so you've been in the market for a while now. I'm an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Yeah, I've been working for six years. Yeah, ah, that's yet. crazy though. So for you to be balancing these two two worlds, yeah, for right? so long, it's not a really culture, but even in terms of your work, you're mm. balancing two different. You know, by day you're you're, <laughs> yeah. you're working in a corporate world. Yeah. By night you're. But that's given me like huge huge levels of benefits because I think what the art world kind of you'll understand this as because all of you are double heading. Well, yeah, yeah, double yeah. double heading. Um, what the art will lack is the, is the level of business uh, acumen. acumen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there is, you know, a lot of what I hate, and I hate this is I met so many artists recently who are, I don't do it for the money. I do it. No, do it for the money. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah, it for yeah, the money. Yeah. You know, you really need to apply a sense of business um, lens into what you do because if you don't do it, you will destroy the market. So, for mm. example, like, for me, pricing a show at 110 ringgit, it's it's not unreasonable. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that. If you look at the market globally, that's what people pay because mm. people respect the theater, right? Yeah. Um, and and first, when I first did shows in 2016, I was pricing at 70, yeah. and everyone's like, "That's just too expensive." Oh my god! And you <laughs> Malaysians are complaining. Yeah. Everyone's pricing at 30. You only got Jeremy because of the preview. <laughs> the only oh, reason yeah, he came was because of the preview. Um, <laughs> at least there's a bargain. Um, <laughs> And so and so, yeah. And everyone is everyone is pricing at thirty. Just, and when you price it, uh, tickets so low, you can't pay your actors, and you yeah, destroy yeah. the whole industry. Yeah. And then when I started pricing at seventeen, everyone started pricing at seventy. So I think I think I think yeah, there's a lack of business acumen in, in the art industry. So having having two careers has helped that. And not only that way, obviously I also take all the creative and innovative stuff from my theater company and apply it to my corporate your job. Corporate job. Yeah. That's great. Because if you. It, have the sense of oh we need uh, patrons mm. we need people to sort of fund us it's unsustainable in the sense that you are really dependent on others but if you have a working model where you can get income in can get money in you can reinvest in sure. better and better productions right sure. like Living Lung is a good example you got you, you did a, a su- successful run mm. uh, you're still milking it mm. you're going to get as much money as you can mm. because you want to 
use that money and you're 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 fighting for another yeah. platform. Yeah. You know, you're putting out these songs to get this uh, author author to give you some um, attention. Yeah. I mean, it's a risk, right? It's a risk. Yeah, it's, it's, a risk it's a risk. But because you believe in it and now you have the money to back you up. So you're putting mm. your money where your mouth is and I can totally respect that. So I think the anti-capitalist <laughs> artist Disgusting. <laughs> Yuck. No comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> they would, they, they kind of view, I guess, money making yeah. and artistry as like conflicting objectives. Mm. But actually, I think, I think they're not. I think you, I, I, you can only create and be creative and, and, and be innovative when you have financial stability. But okay, here's, here's what I would, I, I would ask you. Does the business hurdles or challenges or baggages affect the creativity, the creative process? I think sometimes um, business problems and market-driven circumstances help, um, yeah, kind of limit creative choices. Mm. Like, for example, you want to do a particular show, yeah, but you don't have a market for like it. I couldn't have done this show alone. Mm. Right, I couldn't have done the show alone. Mm. No one would have come. Yeah, but right? no one would have paid forty ringgit. No one would have paid ten ringgit for the yeah. show. Um, I needed to put it as a second half of mm. sepet. Right, I needed the sepet to subsidize this one. So you marry the two lah. So you are looking like okay, this is not marketable. I can't. Even though I love this, I can't do this. So now, how do I get over yeah. this? And maybe now it is because now people have tasted it mm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but from nothing, it would have been. It wouldn't have been not in Malaysia. Mm. Yeah. That's very cool, man. During your three years in London, you had the opportunity to probably put on plays in London as well. Yeah. So how different was that? Ah, oh, it's just harder, man. It's harder. I, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think the thing about the market London, will be so saturated. No, but so it's harder saturated. to please. You think? It, no, I think no because I think the, there's a there's a better theater going culture in London, right? Mm. So actually, the audiences are there. It's just that there's too many suppliers. It's just such a saturated ah, market, okay. and so I naturally found myself like putting myself in boxes. Oh, I'm the Person of color, I'm the queer, uh, yeah, the kind of queer person um, doing theater, and that was very detrimental to me because I it, the market then shoeboxed me into into mm. place. One of my peaks was I, I performed at the Soho Theater in a cabaret, which which went really well. Um, but it's hard because it's um because as well because there's so little many players, your your cycle of uh, creation has to be really fast and rapid. Um, so it was exhausting. Mm. But I think my, my my experiences with living in London and my experiences with living in KL are quite. Conflicting because I think in Malaysia there's you you kind of giving you kind of giving loads, um, you kind of create all these musicals and, and you give the audiences. But I think in London it's all about learning. You know, you just you take you take you take you take you mm. take, and then you impart the wisdom here. People in Western com- countries and European countries are very, I I, sh- I, I'm cautious in saying this lah, but they are. It feels more cultural. There, or at least there's cultured more cultured or cultural. <laughs> well, can I can I please challenge you in that area? Oh sure, of yeah. course, of course. But maybe let me just finish. Yeah, what, what I mean is, I think there's a lot of emphasis on creativity. Yes. Creativity is like a altruism in, in a, yeah. a way. Sometimes you walk down the street, like for example, a simple thing like you go to the UK and you look at the people who are basking. They're super talented. Yeah. You're like, you should be like on the radio, man. What are you doing yeah. on the street? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So and then you know, I'm not trying to put down Malaysian. Jeremy Kong, I'm not trying to put down Malaysian artist Jane Ao. I'm not. Okay, I'm not. But it just seems like different worlds for some reason. Yeah. You know? Okay, so challenge me. 
I challenge you because we are so fucking cultured as a country. Mm. We are we have so much of culture. Mm. We are resting on like a, a bit of stories that need to be told mm. that just are not unearthed yet, right? Mm. Um, and it's so sad. And, and I, I, I really, that's one thing that really gets me is when Malaysian artists come to me and says, oh, you know, I'm such an artist, but like, like there's just no market. Like people don't want to pay money. No fucking hell. You're not producing things that, that people want to pay for. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think we, as artists, like we have agency to create our own platforms, right? It's our responsibility. It's not the audience. The audience are not just going to come in and pay for you to just, you have to kind of curate an experience that they'll be interested in. So I, I really, really... Um, don't like the argument that the West is more like cultured or cultural than us. I just think we, as artists, we haven't done enough to create platforms for our audiences. Could the problem be as Asians, we try too hard to mirror uh, yes. Western culture? Yes, and I hate that too. <laughs> so if you, especially let's talk about musical theater, right? In, right? in Malaysia, like who, there's no one doing local musical theater. No mm. one, no mm. one doing Malaysian musical stories. I think I can, I can happily say that Liver and Lung is probably the only one who's done it in, in recent years. Mm. Um, everyone does, Adaptation, Chicago, West Side Story, yeah. Into the Woods, <laughs> you know, like, um, even, even, even musicals, even, even musicals like <laughs> The Working Dead, right? Which I know is set in yeah. Malaysia. They're, they're, they're Western ideas. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. we have like, hello, like so many legends, so many stories, so many histories to take from. And what was so frustrating was I went to the Blue Mansion in Penang like okay. two weekends ago and I saw this board because they, there's, there's an amazing story about the seventh wife of the owner of the Blue Mansion. Mm. Um, and I saw this board of like cultural depictions of her and they were all Singaporean. Mm. Like the Singaporeans are coming and taking stories from us. Mm. Why can't we do it? <laughs> like what? I was no, really yeah. angry. I, I, I get, I get similar. I, I feel similarly as well. And maybe that's the reason why we, you know, we also started a podcast. We wanted to talk to people and like kind of get their names out there. Uh, like for example, you know, you have some interesting characters from you know our parents. I'm like you know, we were talking in one podcast about uh, Sibyl Katigesu. Mm. Um, uh, a lady who was basically tortured by the Japanese, mm. you know, protecting her community, mm. literally tortured. Mm. And like, no one knows about her. Mm -hmm. You know, crazy things like that. And there's so many stories like this, right? Malaysians have done crazy, amazing things. And incredible stories that not only need to be told in Malaysia, but have the power to be told internationally. Internationally, yeah. Right. Uh, we have uh, someone coming up um, on the podcast uh, next month, uh, uh, Said Tajuddin, mm. who's an artist, a painter. Um, he's 77 now. But I'm telling you, man, his painting is beautiful. It's really, really amazing. And what he does is he's Indian Muslim, mm. right? So he he fuses Malay culture and then he fuses uh, in Hinduism. Mm. You know, he he does, um, he mixes the Ramayana stories, mm. the Mahabharata stories, mm. and he fuses it with Malay mm. culture. So, and it's a very romantic sort of, uh, Which, depiction. by the way, it's not that new in a concept. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course not. Because, yeah. You know, but like, we need this sort of oh, sure. more local, local sort of like, and it's it's good, you know. It's <laughs> it's good. People should know about him. Mm. More people should know about him. So yeah, totally agree with you. So in that way, I guess this conversation is really, really important. Yeah, I think uh, I think I I'm starting to remind myself and the people around me that actually we have a lot more agency and power than we think we do. I think we kind of like rest on our laurels a little bit and kind of. Like even MCO, oh my God, the theater industry is dead. Arts are dead. No, actually, it, it isn't. People still want to buy tickets. People still want to go to stories and hear and listen to stories and listen to music. What's the 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 musical that got you hooked? Oh 
Sound of Music? No, I mean, that was good. Uh, I'm going to sound so pretentious though. Go for it, man. <laughs> Go for it. Have you heard of Steven Sondheim? Yeah, 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 yeah. You have? Yeah, yeah. You know why I've heard? Why? Because I watched your video. <laughs> I watched your review, the late... The, Jane, the Jane, you know Steven Sondheim, right? Oh gosh, I don't. I don't. So he's so he's kind of like America's answer to Andrew Weber, right? Yeah, and he's yeah. like he's better, uh, and he does like lots of artistic things. So into a Sweeney Todd, into yeah. the words, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, he he wrote this musical called Sunday in the Park with George, which is a which is a musical adaptation of a painting. It's a pointillist painting. You know, pointillism, the art form with lots of dots. Yeah. Mm. So the music that he does is very like to kind of mimic the dot yeah. rhythm. Love it. I fell in love with it. How old were you when you watched that? Uh, 16? Yeah. 16. Yeah. Wow. Wait, Malaysia or? Uh, online. <laughs> online. Yeah. Oh. That's how, you know, underprivileged kids get the access. <laughs> hey, man. You're speaking. LimeWire. 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 <laughs> Shout out to people who remember that. Yeah. Eras, uh, LimeWire. That was the days. Yeah. Remember the days when you had to SMS people, mm. 10 cents per SMS, and you were dating people and you were texting them? Yeah, back in the days where companies like Axiara were making money. money. <laughs> Maxis was milking it. <laughs> oh man, I remember like, you had to like draft your, this is the early form of Twitter, I suppose. <laughs> you had to like really, you Maximize know, your, your characters. Because once you pass that one letter, then it's like 20 cent per SMS. It was not economical. Yeah, that's economical like, yeah, it's like Twitter. Yeah, yeah, Proto yeah. Twitter. Mm. Um, random question. Mm. What's the last thing you watched that made you go like, either made you cry or made you go like, wow, that's amazing. Is there something? Yeah. Let me think. I think I watched. Uh, I think I watched. Wow, that's terrible. Uh, I think I watched. Well, Parasite was really, really amazing. Parasite, the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a really, really good film. Mm. I'm really proud of um, an Asian film doing mm. so well at the Oscars. <gasps> Let's talk about that. What have you heard about the new conditions for uh, uh, inclus- like inclusivity in, in the Oscars? Have you heard of that? Um, I've seen some headlines about yeah. it. But I so basically, know. what in, in order to be nominated for Best Picture, mm. a film now needs to fulfill a few inclusivity criteria. So mm. like, I think 30% of your characters need to be POCs or queer or whatever. So yeah, I'm kind of against that. You, you might disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, I <clears throat> am very strongly for merit, mm-hmm. you know, and I understand that you grow up in a, you know, in a system, you need to uplift certain groups. Um, but I don't think that's the way to do it just because it really becomes very iffy. It becomes weird. I mean, you, look to, at... Tokenism, like you mean. Yeah, like look at your stuff, right? Do you want people to recognize it for what it's worth? The value of it, the quality, standing alongside all other musicals? Or do, do, do your musicals need help because of the cultural identity? You get what I'm saying? I, I, I just don't think... I feel it's almost a disservice. And I almost feel like it's talking down to. And I feel that it is part of this sort of victim mentality that feels good. Uh, but in the long run, it's going to be detrimental. Because it's sort of puts down your own art. That's my own personal 
I, I think you said that beautifully. Cancel me at your will. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said that well. What do you think, Jeremy? <laughs> Jeremy disagrees. <laughs> I disagree because you have to think about the conditions. The what are the end conditions, right? You want those minorities to have a place. Yeah. And as much as tokenism may be seen to be a, a detriment, mm. it can be it can be a way in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because. Like it or not, there are spaces that are absolutely dominated by white males, mm. right? Mm. And so you can think about ways to, you know, say like, oh, we will train women to be better. We will train we will train minorities to be better. Mm. But if you know, if these gatekeepers are constantly shutting them out of the platform, mm. it doesn't matter if you trained better women or better POCs. Mm. You will still need a way to get them in. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing is like I feel like, why do we talk about America so much? <laughs> mm. You know, their politics is so messed up and it's so stupid. <laughs> Why are we obsessed with America? We need to not because sometimes I watch America. You know what? I'll give you an example. In my because you no, know, because America sets the cultural zeitgeist. Such a bad benchmark, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, I was watching uh, Trevor Noah mm. just 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 now, right? Not a great fan of Trevor Noah. Yeah, I think if you want your liberal, I feel John Oliver is a lot better. Agree. Right? 100% agree. <laughs> I find, I might be wrong, but it seems a lot of girls, young girls like Trevor Noah. And, and older girls. <laughs> and older girls like Trevor Noah. Like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Every morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Every morning, Trevor Noah. Okay. <laughs> so Trevor Noah did this segment. Um, I mean, nothing wrong with what he said, but he. It, what happened in America is a university and um, the white professor was teaching Mandarin. You know in Mandarin, there's Nika, Nika, like, like, uh, like, uh, right? Nika, okay. It sounds too much when a white man says it to like a, a cultural, uh, to a racial slur. Do you know what racial slur I'm talking about? Nika, oh, Nika. <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, it gets close. He got suspended. He got suspended because people felt it was offensive. That's crazy. <laughs> Trevor Noah covered that. It's not like it's a isolated thing. So you're, you suspended someone. They, the college suspended their lecturer for teaching a language because it offended someone. American politics is stupid. It's <laughs> dumb. I, so sometimes I, I'm in a danger of like, I paint all liberals like that because of things like this. But then I have to take a step back and like, I have to realize that this is really American. Actually, that's I'll commend you because I think that's a really, really good way to put it. I think we kind of get caught up in a lot of really yeah. unnecessary uh, and really actually quite distant political discourse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, it's got nothing to do with us. Yeah. Like, for example, my 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 manager is very conservative. Like, he's like you, and he's he hates freedom. He, he hates liberals and he believes in freedom. Of, I, don't, I don't hate. It is in freedom of expression, but we will, we can like argue a lot about feminism and stuff. But, uh, and then I actually, the things we're arguing has nothing to do with our relationship because it's so far away. <laughs> My parents today morning were talking about arguing about Black Lives Matter. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why are you getting yeah, so that's heated a, That's a really, up? really good way to put it. <laughs> you know, like um, the racial dynamics in Malaysia, for example, is so different. And there are conversations to be had about minorities here. But I just feel that we shouldn't mirror it on things that are happening in America. Because the it's so different. It really is different. 
I think the argument can be overused, though. So I think the argument about cultural appropriation mm. um, <laughs> is used a lot here. Oh okay, I think we should have. Well, how about why, why don't we have that discussion? Cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Yeah. What's the difference? Do you think there's a distinction to be yeah, made? Yeah, I think there's a distinction. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll make the I'll make the I'll make the case really really personal. Okay, so for okay. example, I think when my Indian sister wears a sari, yeah, uh, she looks beautiful. Sure. Um, when she goes out. People think she kind of looks a little bit weird. Mm. Why are you wearing a sari on a, on a casual Friday? Mm. You know? But when my white friends wear a sari on a Friday, mm. it's like, oh my God, you've, yeah. you've discovered... Beaut- queen! Exactly. Yes, queen! queen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just a very yeah. kind of like, um, don't try that. It doesn't work for you, darling. <laughs> I know, I know. Leave, leave that kind of stuff to us. I tried my best. <laughs> You tempted it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, sorry. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not gonna disrespect anyone. That's a very they're very distinct lexicon that I, we I know, but I'm not I, I, I respect people too much to even go there. Yeah, okay. Um yeah, so that's a very silly example, a very anecdotal example, but I think that happens to people of color all the time and you would know this. Like sometimes mm. when our culture that means so much to us, we 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 it, it's not cool when we do it, but when other people do it. When majorities do it, yeah. that happens, and that happens in Malaysia, right? Mm. So, for example, I hate it when Malay fashion designers do Bollywood runways, right? Okay. Um, mainly because I, do they have any Tamilian South Indian models on their stage? No. Do they treat Tamilian people well? I don't think so. Do they represent Tamilian culture or South Indian culture in in their lifestyles? No, right? Mm. So I think it's I think it's appropriate. I, I, I don't think it's it's right. I I think that the what the root problem is is that marginalized people don't feel heard. Uh, minorities don't feel heard. Or appreciated. Appreciated. Yeah. I think that's the root problem. And I think that I personally feel that everyone should celebrate each other's cultures and that's fine. But I think we have to give due to, to those. You I know. think you can celebrate each other's cultures given there is a mutual sense of respect for each other's cultures yeah, yeah, yeah. at the same time. And, and that and, doesn't happen. Yeah. In, in, and maybe, uh, for example, with um, fashion designers, yeah. it's just the awareness is not there. So maybe like we have Malay uh, fashion designers who want to do uh, work to Indian culture. That's fine. But then include the Indian community. Get 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 yeah. get, get more models who are from that community. It's not hard. Yeah, It's yeah. not hard. You just, just get, a, get a model, get one designer. And you want to do that anyway because you want, to be, you want it to be authentic. Yeah. You want to learn how a linga is tied. You want to learn how a sari is tied. And only an Indian person will be able to give you that kind of knowledge. Mm. So, I mean, this, uh, this whole discussion, I know we're talking about America again, I'm sorry. But when, <laughs> for example, um, Maria Grazia, who's currently the creative director behind uh, Christian Dior, mm. she does a lot of kind of like... Uh, Appropriate of things while while not um, championing any of the any of the um, the cultures them, the, the cultures themselves. Whereas yeah. like Louis Vuitton, when they do kind of like Indian arts, they really work with. They go to India, they work with. They they take a photo of the Indian designer, and then they yeah. they champion them. So, yeah. But but can I push back as mm-hmm. well? So the other side of that, which is the dangerous part for me, is where we be, descend into tribalism and where we go like, oh, you're Malay, you're not supposed to be doing that. You're Indian, you're not supposed to be doing that. You're Chinese, you're not supposed to be doing that. And we put everybody in boxes and I feel that that's some sort of regression to a type of society. Um, can I take you back to reality go that happens it, every it, day it. anyway? Yeah. Right? We, we, we live in a tribal world. Mm. I think the dynamic is different here because you might... We, and I don't want to speak for the whole of the Chinese community. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy would be a bad, be a a bad, bad representative. Bad representative. <laughs> but I thought uh, an argument that was made by... Uh, 
uh, my friend who's, who's Indian was rather compelling because, you know, there are, there are various spheres in Malaysian society where Indians are excluded mm. and yet you want to appropriate their culture. Mm. So you're actively excluding them in other spheres, but this is where you want to celebrate them? It doesn't seem right. That's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So that, that, that I found, you know, a really compelling argument. But if you were to flip it on its head, like, you know, the Chinese community doesn't necessarily feel, you know, we are under the thumb of, you know, anybody yeah. really. So if you actually appropriated that, I think the backlash could have been so minimal the, the, or non-existent. That's, that's the extent. thing. The problem, I don't think it's the clothings. I think Indian people feel like they have nothing going for them. And it feels like the last thing we have, the last thing that is ours, only ours and no one can take our culture, even that you want to take. But the problem is, uh, with Chinese people, they don't feel that way because generally, stereotypically, <laughs> the community seems to be thriving a little bit better than the Indian community. Of course. I mean, we have a historic record of not doing that great. Mm. So there's, but you know, the underlying problem is still that the community is not doing well. We need to uplift people. We need to give people platforms. But I just don't believe we, in giving people platforms, we have to de-platform other people. I just know. But know, no one I, is saying that, right? There are though. No one yeah. is saying that. I don't think the arguments against this woman culturally appropriate like don't wear the sari. I think it's just like, you know, do it properly. Mm. Mm. Do it authentically. Uh, what I think there's a good point here is that the people who do call out cultural appropriation, unfortunately, are not the Indians, right? <laughs> They're the liberals. Yeah. But then I don't actually see any problem in that because sometimes well, it's allyship. It's allyship. You know, I, allyship has been a huge part of my life. Yeah. And so Hannah, the reason why I get so emotional about her is like she's been such an ally to me. She's like the perfect person who's like helped champion my POC and my queer kind of like identity when it needed championing. Mm. The importance of allies are like, it is it, 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 it's, it's really, really um, unprecedented. Mm. So um, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's a conversation to be had. I think it's an important conversation. Um, let's just try and stay sane and not become too American. <laughs> I don't think any of my liberal friends, like you, you know, you do this like, lecturer with this, you know, the language thing. I honestly don't think any right person here would think that. I really think America has gone crazy. I really think so. I mean, it has. You know, like how if you study Roman history, uh, just before the fall of the Roman Empire, there were all these things that happened, you know, like um, uh, there was disease, uh, they were losing battles, uh, uh, there was political unrest, uh, you know. It feels like America seems to be checking off all those boxes. <laughs> question. Here's a question I've been thinking about. Mm. Do you have you been impressed with the DNC's strategy <laughs> this election cycle? No. Have you been have you, have you you've been following their company? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what wait, sorry, I might be un- misunderstanding. What is the strategy? No, the I mean the DNC the Democratic National Committee in terms of like how Joe Biden is running against Trump, la, the messaging and all that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but even before, like the idea even of before? having 20 candidates and then belittling <laughs> it to 10 and then all of them dropping out the and day before, on the same day just to like alienate Bernie and then and basically kind of like force-fitting Biden to the throne. Yeah. Do you think that was a good strategy? Oh, no. No, 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 no. We, I think one thing we both agree on is that we think that the DNC has the most amazing power at choosing the worst candidates possible. <laughs> I don't understand how... You screwed up with Hillary Clinton. Oh. You're doing a round two. You, you like think, Hillary? Uh, yeah, I'm a Hillary fan. <laughs> oh. 
<sighs> yeah, but you know, like, yeah, I'm one of those liberals. <laughs> liberals, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely see why. I definitely see her, her criticisms and, yeah. her, and her flaws. But I just dude, feel every time I watch her commiseration speech when she gives, I cry. Really, I cry and I cry ugly cry. I know. I told. I told you I don't cry. I cry, I cry. <laughs> Beautifully, gracefully. No, I cry. I ugly cry when I see that because it's such a beautiful. She paints such a beautiful picture of what America could have been compared to what it is now. I, I think um, even even Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton aside, okay, maybe we Hillary Clinton, okay, could argue Bernie Sanders is a better option. But other than Bernie Sanders, there was nobody else that really stood out. No, but was Bernie Sanders a good option? Is he electable? I mean, no, <sighs> he's not. He he might have stood a chance against Trump. Though. No, he's not electable. And I know the argument is, oh, okay, you would have like had a bigger voting turnout again with younger people. You would have engaged the base a lot. Hello, young people don't vote. Mm. We're not an engaged community. That's not an addressable market. But what I can say is now, this round two, they had a lot more better candidates. Even put Bernie aside, why Biden? Why Kamala Harris? You could have gone with Andrew Yang. You could have gone with actually the, the lady who I, uh, now I remember her name that was good, was Tulsi. Tulsi oh Gabbard? Tulsi Gabbard. No, but Tulsi Gabbard. Really? Thing. Tulsi Gabbard is way better than, uh, no, no, no. than Biden. I really question your political... Tulsi Gabbard is way better <laughs> than... Not... Way better than Kamala Harris. No, I, I really like Kamala Harris. What? Yeah. Because she's Indian? No. Half Indian. She, she cooked doses with uh, Mindy Kaling. <laughs> yeah, I saw and, that Mindy Kaling. Oh, the Tamilian people went crazy <laughs> for that shit. I think, I, think, I think she's the kind of authoritarian... They're not even not Indians, you know. They are Tamils. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think she's the kind of authoritarian voice that I think Trump needs. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but the worst That's is, an interesting take. But the worst <laughs> yeah. is Biden. La. In, I think... Is he losing his mind? <laughs> we need to have a discussion... Is I mean, he degenerating? I don't know if we should have that discussion. The American <laughs> no, no, people but I think that's a really ageist, just ageist perspective. No, it's not because he's old, but it's because of his speeches. He's like like midway, like because, losing yeah. trail of thought. You know, it really looks like he's... Actually, I was watching videos of him um, debate in the Obama kind of campaigns and he was incredible. He was yeah, so fiery. he was different. He's different. It's very different now with Trump. <laughs> I'm not ageist. If I was ageist, I wouldn't even be... I wouldn't even go for Bernie. Yeah. Bernie's old as heck. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie's old as heck. I used to be in the Bernie camp, and I used to. Think what happened? That, <laughs> I mean, I'm not. You know, I think. Again. I think you know what happened? Optimism. <laughs> because I, I. That's why I asked about the DNC strategy. I thought they were mm. really screwing it up. And yeah. then what the hell? They have no. Why there's so many candidates on the stage? And then when they slowly like kind of like did that and 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 chose Biden, I was like, okay, this is. I like where this is going. Mm-hmm. If they win. Mm. I think they've done a really, really good job. Nah, I think I think they have because I I just don't think, I, yeah, the choice was between Bernie and Biden, and I think, well, let's see what happens. If 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 Biden loses, then I think then I'll go back to supporting Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, whatever said done, you know, we respect you for having this opinion. You know, we respect. We want to hear these voices because I guess with me and Jeremy, sometimes we talk in our own little silo. My silo is extremely. <laughs> wow, Jane was a bit uh, a bit too loud in that. Yeah. <laughs> so we we want to definitely question. Uh, would you respect my opinion if I said I was a Trump supporter? Yeah, I would definitely, definitely. Okay. I, I definitely. Don't, I don't think we disrespect people. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, we'd ask you why, and we'll say something. <laughs> but that's the point of this podcast, though. We want to talk to different people mm. and get these differing experiences. So sometimes in this podcast, I'm careful with what I say because mm. I don't want to. I want to push back, but at the same time, I, I, I want to hear what you say. I don't want to discredit mm. your opinions, you know? So, 
yeah, I, I would love to have a Trump uh, supporter on. I would love to talk to the, uh, them. You should get my boss on. Oh my God. He would <laughs> love to talk to you. Do you remember my boss, the white guy, the Spanish white guy who came Spanish to watch? Spanish white guy. <laughs> he, he was always on his phone. <laughs> he was always on his phone? I'll put you in touch. I think oh. you might like it. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a Trump supporter. Trump but, supporter who works for Axiara. Oh. <laughs> Trump is interesting. He's interesting. Remember those days when Obama used to be president? <laughs> oh yeah, good old days. Can you believe four years have passed? Yeah. Trump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, and one thing I have to say about Trump though, they tried to take him down. La. Every single time. What do you mean? First, he started with the Russian scandal. Ah, those, weren't, those weren't gonna work. Then what was it? Who did he call? Was it Ukraine? Ukraine, the Ukrainian calls. It was at every point. They freaking impeached him. He's still there. It's like a cockroach. <laughs> yeah, man. A flying cockroach. <laughs> a big flying orange cockroach. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the RNC and the Republicans definitely benefited a lot from him. La, yeah. I would think. They, they're amazing strategists. My, my, <laughs> my question is this. My question is this. Do you all think Trump is stupid? Or do you think he's a secret genius? Because the camp is split between the two. <laughs> the camp is split between the two. Uh, I'll, I'll I think he's just an idiot. <laughs> I don't think he's... Same. I don't think he's a mastermind. <laughs> You? <laughs> it's hard to imagine. You know uh, the, the what Dilbert comics? Mm. Yeah. So that guy, the cartoonist, he really, really put, thinks that Trump is a master manipulator <laughs> and that he's playing everybody. <laughs> he writes about it a lot. <laughs> I mean, so the kind of like downplaying of the coronavirus may be an indication of that, right? Mm. Oh, the recent revelations? The Bob, the Bob Woodward one? And also, it's like the Boris Johnson strategy, right? Mm. So Boris Johnson strategy is, oh, I'm a buffoon. I'm electable. I'm, <laughs> although I'm like, went to PPE in Oxford. I'm so, I, I'm so I unrelatable. It, I believe it more for Boris Johnson than Trump. Because Boris Johnson, he, people say that like he does things like before he starts an interview, he messes up his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it could be the same strategy. People do it for Mahathir as well. People say that Mahathir is this super genius that he masterminded the Sheraton move. He masterminded everything. I really don't think so. <laughs> I think you're giving too much to Mahathir. I really think that every day they are winging it. There's a lot of myth-making when it comes to media portrayals, I'm sure. Especially with Mahathir though. Yeah. I'm Indian Muslim community. <laughs> <laughs> we have you to blame for this. <laughs> what do you mean? He's Bumi. <laughs> He's Malay. <laughs> right? <laughs> what Indian Muslim community? There are no Indian Muslims in Malaysia. <laughs> Very it's, like, it's so confusing. You know, if you're an Indian Muslim and you practice Malay culture, you become Malay. It's to some so extent, there is odd. dilution. Like, yeah. No, there's not to some extent. There is dilution. Full stop. Don't people try? I mean… Are there not people who try and actively try to preserve it? I, I literally… Okay, I can be very honest with you. I'm probably, my family is probably one of the, like five. Oof. Mm. In, in, yeah. I, I have a friend who, who does. Uh, yeah. She's Indian Muslim. Like she practices her faith. She believes in it. But Indian culture is there. Very strong. That's so good. So that's Comes six. to the office with Briani. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like very obvious kind of like um, market in the sense that, for example, Tamil is less spoken. Yeah. Mm. You know. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. And fashion. Yeah, yeah. And then you can't really blame them because there are so many kind of privileges and rights you get when you when you play that game, the alternative game. My, so, for example, when I was born, I was offered Bumi status um, at the BC registration place, and my dad was like, "No, wow, yeah." 
And mm. wow, well, wow, wow. then I pay the price. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Dad. <laughs> All those JPA scholarships I could have gotten. I mean, yeah. you've done pretty well for yourself. Yes. Yeah. And I guess, I guess, I guess coming from a position of being in a minority always kind of gives you a little additional fire to your, to your yeah. fuel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have had friends who have, who have taken advantage. I mean, Indian Muslims who have taken advantage of their Bumi status, but hate every moment of it as well. Yeah. I've had friends who have gone to UITM, but then they are also on Twitter like, down with the male supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> Are <laughs> you subverting the system from within, <laughs> yeah. la, supposedly? I get, I get it, like you know, you you have to benefit. You know, you need to uplift yourself the best you can. You have limited options, so sometimes I don't judge. Mm. You know, I get it, um, and I guess that you're speaking out is great. You know who I really admire? I admire the Malays who speak out. These are always the group of people that I really oh, yeah, look for up sure. to, and the, and their growing population. Mm. Right, I think what what's been so nice about working at Axiara is that I have a very engaged, liberal, energized, good people, group of like young Malay men and women. And it's very refreshing. Like I was telling Jeremy, um, on Thursday or Friday, I was listening to BFM. They had the breakfast grill of that guy who was the... What Ahmad Faisal. Yeah, he's yeah. the <coughs> uh, pre-Bumi youth chief after Said Sadiq left. So he used to be Said Sadiq's uh, second, right? One part of the interview, he started talking about vernacular schools. And he said, Pribumi is so committed to getting rid of vernacular schools because unity is such a big problem in Malaysia and we need unity in the country. And I was, in my mind, I'm, I was like, I, I almost wanted to like, you know, <laughs> take out that quote, put it on social media. I want to say like, I'm with you so 100%. Unity is a big thing in this country. We need unity. But how is there ever going to be unity when you are separating are people by race in at the university level. How is that going to ever happen? Why do you go for... Um, uh, why think, do you want to abolish vernacular schools, but then you don't have the political power to... political will, you mean. Yeah, political will to equalize it also at, at, at a university level. I mean, but you can't really blame the, the existence of vernacular schools, right? Like, I, I think if you eliminate vernacular schools, you need to then... Offer Tamil and Mandarin as valid SPM subjects, mm. right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think what's what Singapore has done. Yeah, it's incredible. amazing. Incredible. Yeah, amazing. Right, that is like unity, and well, it may be fake, but you know, like everything <laughs> in Singapore, <laughs> it's technocratically efficient for sure. <laughs> but it, the system and the structure is so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he his point was good. He said, like, look, in this country, uh, he was talking about tribalism. You know, he said it. He said that tribes exist everywhere. Malaysia, there's so many tribes. And there's nothing that unifies us. You know, religion can't unify us. You know, food can't unify us. Because even with food, there are restrictions, right? Uh, but, but what we can unify, one thing that can unify us is language. You know, that's what he was saying. He said, everybody needs to know Bahasa. Everybody. Because this is the only one thing that can unify us and make, make us uniquely Malaysian. Fair enough. But then he extends that to like, we need to get rid of vernacular schools. I'm like, dude, I would follow you. But then you need to open up UITM you need to open up UKM. You need to open up UIA for everybody. If because did you challenge him on that? I mean, I'm just listening. <laughs> so I, can't, I, 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 I they, they don't have a call in segment. <laughs> oh, it was on the radio. It was on the radio. It was on the radio. But you know, so like, I, I, I get what you're saying. But if you're sincerely, your goal is unity, 
you have to understand that that cosmetic surgery you're going to do to vernacular schools is not going to help if you're not also going to deal with this, all these other underlying problems. You know, so it, it's a complicated thing. I think the thing about politics and policy is that it's so interlocking, right? Like they, they're systems, right? It's like that, yeah, you, what you said, it's just cosmetic surgery. But yeah, with that, you need to do X and Y and Z and everything. It's so it's so interconnected, and we just what's there's no education strategy in this com- in this country. <laughs> that feels like there hasn't been one for a while. No. <laughs> How can they be when the politicians are too busy juggling over there, juggling balls, <laughs> and not the good kind of balls? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hope people get that. <laughs> uh, you know, the only you know how I sometimes feel like we individuals are. Did you ever watch that uh, video about the Kalisa driving through the flood? No. no. So, you know, over the week, we had massive rain, right? And uh, like, Machi Jami area was flooded, right? And I was stuck in a jam for two hours. Ah, oh. shites. You, you should have listened to the Roma Roy podcast to hold you over. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, the, they were showing, I, I don't know which area it was, but it was massive flooding, right? And this, the video was basically this Kalisa drove right through the flood. All the way up to? It was up to the, the that means the door might have oh been. Oh my God. It would, up to the window, would have been, so it looked like a boat, you know, it looked, <laughs> so people were saying, oh, look at this submarine. <laughs> look at this, Mal- so uh, this Kalisa just swerved through the water, it didn't give a shit, went through and then went back. So it's only flooded to a particular area and then it, it connects to the road and it goes on, right? So people are redoing and just clapping and cheering. I sometimes feel we are like that. We are like that little Kalisa <laughs> going through this water and we're just like driving through and all this. No, know? we are the flood. <laughs> we had the flood? Yeah. <laughs> Who's the Kalisa then? I, so this, is, this is what I'm trying to say. I think I think we have more agency than we think we do. Hmm. And it's these kind of micro actions like this podcast yeah. or you listening to a radio and engaging or yeah. having conversations that actually have significant impact. True, true. So true. don't belittle the work that you're doing. Hmm. You're not the Kalisa. You probably are. With the flood, man. With the flood. With the flood. This sounds like a musical that we need. To, it's like a song we need. To. Can you tell that I'm a very artsy party kind of like idiot? This guy is like, what the hell? Well, the flood. Like, where's the policy? Maybe okay. Ask where the policy is. <laughs> okay, we're gonna end shortly, but maybe another just one last topic, an interesting conversation. So Jeremy is not really an artistic person. Oh really? Um, I couldn't tell. <laughs> Jerry is a little bit okay. Is tone deaf too far? Yes. Okay, tone deaf is oh, too no, far. No, no, tone deaf is not too far. <laughs> I, it's clinically tone deaf. Shall we try? No, no, so, no, so, no, no. So what happens is Jeremy only listens to music with beats. Okay. He doesn't listen to melody. No, I could give you an interesting anecdote. I okay. think this was back in church. Like they would have, they would play the note, and I would try and. Like replicate it. I would replicate it exactly five notes off. Oh damn! Every time they played it. exactly five notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like <laughs> do do adieu. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's not really atonal. That's just that's just a misplaced. Okay, that, that's oh, you, you're just off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to cro- cost correct you. <laughs> like your personality, anyway. Ouch! <laughs> <I'm joking>. Whoa. <laughs> Shots being fired at Jeremy today. Damn son. <laughs> it's shade. It's shade. Um, so like um. Jeremy, when you go for things like Seped, A Little Life, mm. I mean, beauty is such an important thing, right? It, it kind of colors the way we look at life. Mm. You know? how, 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 how do you feel when you watch something like that? Does it um, touch you or do you like analyze it at a more intellectual level? There's, there's an intellectual level. I feel, like, I feel so bad because it feels like we're talking to Jeremy like he's a robot. <laughs> do, you, do you see things? <laughs> do you feel things? <laughs> 
I think I mentioned on this podcast because I used to accompany a friend, our friend Putri to poetry. Like she would do like poetry, like get togethers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would be there. I would be able to appreciate the message, yeah. but not the form. Uh, yeah. Sometimes like if the form is too obscure, I won't get it. Mm. But when it comes to like theater and musical, I can appreciate it in its totality. Mm. But I think I miss a lot of the nuances given how my brain is wired. <laughs> <laughs> that feel, like, the feel is might not be there. Like. Feel can be there, but like I don't think I could like explain to you in exact terms why or how that mm. sort of happens. Yeah. It's more totality sort of thing. Yeah. Can I challenge you? Sure. You know when you say the feel happens and you can't explain it? Yeah. That's where the magic happens. <laughs> because that's the thing about art and creativity and music is that what art does is it says things that we can't possibly express mm. with normal conversation and normal words. Uh, what you're feeling is exactly what I'm feeling. We just don't need to talk just. about it. <laughs> so you're saying you don't, the feel, you don't have to explain the feeling? No. Mm. That's the whole point of music. It's like a, it's like a language that our brain doesn't comprehend or can't translate into the lexicon that we've learned. Mm. Words of words are pathetic. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a writer, but like, that's why I do musicals because music. Words came later. Yeah. Words came later, first for feelings. And words are only beautiful because they tap into the, yeah. the feelings, but it's an ineffective form of for tapping sure. into it. Can, it only can only take you so yeah. far. It's powerful, but it, it takes you so far. And the best musicians will know this, like Jane, like sometimes the moment when all, all audiences are like just like feeling the same thing with the performer, it's not when a word is said, it's, it's when a chord is strung or when a when a piano is being played by beautiful hands like yours. Mm. So don't think so much about it. You probably have a lot of music appreciation in you. And especially if you, you like beats. So what kind of beats do you listen to? There's a lot of the trashier stuff. Like, uh, <laughs> like no, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of like hip hop and R&B kind of stuff. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's the musical language that, why, why, why belittle your... I, I suppose I was surrounded. Boy, <laughs> no, I'm I, just picking trouble. Yeah. I don't think so. I think like in university there would be like I think friends who are a little more like a little more refined listen to things like jazz and all that. Like they 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 would say I mean they would think of EDM as like <laughs> quite a bastard child of music. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's I understand that that shouldn't be the way you look but at that's things. That's not even true. If you go to, not, if you go to London now, like if you're a techno kind of guy, you're like God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're a techno mm. DJ, you're like very valued. And in fact, jazz now is not like jazz as we know it. Jazz yeah. now, contemporary jazz. It's more like techno. Yeah, it's more like <laughs> techno actually. Right? There's a lot of like synthesis. Yeah, that's, that's, that is, it's, it's so like, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jane agrees. Yeah. <laughs> I think what music has done is we've gone in the 50s, like the 30s to the 70s or 80s has all been about melodies and about like, you know, like very like simple structured songs. But now we're kind of going back to kind of classical music in the sense that we're, we're, Getting rid of words and getting rid of lyrics, and we're going back to how how compositions are structured. Mm. Um, the structure becomes more important. Um, That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, actually, we we have so much we need want to talk to you about. I think maybe you can come back again because there's also the part of more on the creative process about mm. writing, creating. Because through, yeah. yeah, I watched one of your videos where you reviewed um, <laughs> uh, the Lady Gaga. Uh, uh, she did uh, she did a cover of You're revealing my two colors. <laughs> <laughs> she did a cover of um, Sound of Music. Yeah, Sound of Music. And so it was very nice the way you reviewed it. Mm. Uh, and because this is not my background, so you spot things that I don't spot. Mm. And I, I like to watch those kind of videos because it gives me the nuance that I know I'm missing, yeah. right? So definitely, I think if you game, you, you should come on again. Um, I'll come with donuts and coffee. That's always great. We always <laughs> welcome you. Where can people find you on social media? So, 
All you have to do <laughs> is Google Liver and Lung Productions <laughs> and you can subscribe on our YouTube channel or follow us on Instagram at liver underscore and underscore lung. Wink, wink. <laughs> or you can check out on, on, on Spotify. We have a podcast named Finding Fabulous. But obviously, okay. listen to the Rumai Roy podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no worries, man. You can plug it, plug it. Yeah. And my uh, personal Instagram is Shafiq Shaja. Great, but man. I'm very kind of crazy there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go at your own peril. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, final takeaway, final say. Uh, how about oh, Jeremy first? Jeremy always first. <laughs> I'll I'll try to think less about. Come on, come first, first, Jeremy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Wait, me and Jeremy are not equipped. To do. <laughs> this is what I love to do with heteronormative people. Like, to make us uncomfortable. The freaking <laughs> yeah. The thing is, me and Jeremy are ultra heteronormative people. <laughs> we are really, really heteronormative. I know, I can tell. <laughs> like, heteronormative people are guys, you're too heteronormative. <laughs> you're just so hetero. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jeremy. Kind of, um, yeah, I'll try to think less. My, of my music taste as trash and, yeah. <laughs> you know, try and appreciate the nuances behind it. Yeah, I think my takeaway, if anything, is um, just, guys, we're not another American state. No. <laughs> you know, we're Malaysia. Let's turn off, dial down the American stuff. Uh, and uh, even that, what we watch about America is so skewed. It, it doesn't even represent the ground of America, right? Mm. And we watch that and we think that's America. America is not Hollywood. Mm. America is not CNN. America is not Fox News. Mm. You know? And so, let's pay a bit more attention to our own country and what's going on here. Said Sadiq is setting up his own party. I'm against <laughs> it. If you're for it, go. Go and join. <laughs> you know, do something. You know? Who has seen the Said Sadiq Tumblr video? I haven't. What, what, what happened? What did he do? I'll leave it to your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll okay. do some Googling after this. <laughs> Uh, my main takeaway is, I think recently, I've been thinking a lot about this, is I think we have agency. We have a lot of power. Mm. And um, I think uh, it's in micro actions like this, conversations with intelli- intelligent young people. Mm. Intelligent um, might be a bit too far. <laughs> like yourselves, you you that, that where the power lies. Thank True. you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming on. We mm. really appreciate you and we're really excited to see what comes next. Uh, we'll Jer- definitely be there at a little life. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely be there for a little life on Broadway. I'm still um, Broadway. Yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna um, mention us at your of Tony yeah. Tony Award. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank my mom, <laughs> my dad, and the Rumai Roy podcast. We'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, what? <laughs> Jeremy, always a pleasure. Uh, thanks again, guys, for listening, and we are done. Yeah.